This is out of bounds. We are back in the back of a Cadillac. This is Out of Bounds. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Out of Bounds coming back to you here. And I've got some I've got some uh, replay going on here, Mia. I'm not sure what's happening. There we go. We got that all, all settled. We had a little in stereo. We were in the round for a hot second there. But now we're back. How are you, Mia? Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, as our viewers and listeners will see, uh, new background. Moved into the new house. The home studio is still being constructed. Um, hopefully the the reverberating you hear isn't bouncing off the, the kitchen tile walls and everything else. I promise we, we do have the home studio with carpeting. Dare I say carpeting coming our way soon, John Alba. I don't know how I feel about the carpeting. What was what was the decision behind the, the, the carpeting? Yeah. So, no, it's not on the ceiling or the walls. Don't worry. I, I, it is I very much on the much. Yes, because uh, some people, you never know, home studio. I've been watching a lot of uh, HGTV, and some people, when they build their new home, they do it with that intention. Um, no, the carpeting came with the house. And so um, nice. I, I wasn't too big of a fan at first either, but I will say after a year and a half of hardwood floors throughout my home, not only do I love it, um, but the cat has made the most seamless transition from a chaotic move with movers in and out. And he, <laughs> he's so scared to this guy is thriving. Terrence John Alba. Is well. Terrence is thriving. Terrence is rolling all over the carpet. He rolled all over the, the, the concrete patio. Uh, he loves the couch. Listen, he, he's living his best Florida, fancy Florida cat life right now. Well, I'm very happy to hear that, and congratulations on the new place. We were off last week. Mia had some travel. I had some travel. I had a busy week last week, but we we're back and situated and ready to go here. We want you to be part of this. We already got people in the chat right now. KY oh, and yeah. Chat. Oh, yeah. KYNchat.com is where you can get your super chats in. Or if you're watching via YouTube, you just drop your super chat there. That's how you guarantee your comment and your question gets read on air. We'll pick some comments every now and then to read, but to guarantee it gets on air, that's how you do it. Leave us a super chat. We want to hear what you've got to say because we are talking a whole bunch of things here in the Weird, Wacky, and Wild on this Monday evening, October 9th. This is the good stuff. Mia O'Brien, what do we got on tab tonight? Well, we were cleaning out the fridge at the old house as we were efforting. Oh, because I may have lost you there. There's John uh, cleaning out the fridge as we were uh, efforting, getting ready for the move. And so I found an old White Claw. Um, But uh, (laughs) I I drink this White Claw with an old school Jaguar koozie because, John, we are going to celebrate a Jaguar coaching legend with our first topic of the evening. So cheers to the camp counselor, my guy, Nathaniel Hackett. Okay, well, I'm going to give a little shout out. You know, I, 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 we're, we're in the final quarter of the year, right? I mean, like we're, we're in the fall season here. New things are abound. People are starting. This is your last push to get things in before your New Year's resolution falls on its face. I thought right? you were going to say you had a pumpkin beer ready, but continue. Well, no, you got a few more months. Um, so to anyone who's looking to utilize this last quarter of the year to start anew, start fresh, uh, you know, whether it's a major change in your life or a small change in your life, this is your time. This is you, baby. This is all about your time to shine. And me, I'll give you a little early birthday shout out too, because I know that's oh, coming thank up too. You. Uh, but first, a little ASMR. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. There it is. Cheers to all of that. Here we go. I thought it was a special drink. You built that up like you had some sort of ad read coming. This is a special drink. 
because if you because <laughs> if you search John Alba and Carmel, there's going to be some interesting things that come up. I promise you that. Actually, since you're such a savant too when it comes to cooking, John, you'll appreciate True. what we have on tap here at the the homestead what tonight. Do we, what do we have on tap? Uh, Publix had Cajun catfish. Did you ever? In, indulge in that while you were living down here cajun catfish yeah um, so i had never eaten catfish before two years ago my local Publix or my old local Publix, i should say from two homes ago uh i trusted the fish lady with my life and she like and i always got my salmon and my shrimp she goes trust me get the cajun catfish you throw it in the air fryer you love air fryer i love air fryer for eight minutes you serve it with rice black beans mac and cheese whatever you're feeling i don't know how i feel about that game changer so really? it See, was on sale yesterday and so catfish, catfish is somewhat of a dry fish so putting it in an air fryer i feel like would dry it out yes but it's pretty moist for the most part okay. i mean this is they lather that ish up at Publix. okay so right. i will report back i've had it a couple times before haven't had it in about six seven eight months just because it hasn't been available we're on sale um, but yes, I, I may not have your steak cooking prowess, but no. I, I hope you appreciate it. I mean, we can't all. I just sous vide some steaks before we got on air here. Mm. I knew it was coming. Mm. So good. And you know what? Maybe the Denver Broncos, Mia, should have seen this one coming. Because how sweet this was for the New York football Jets. The Jets get revenge. New York and Nathaniel Hackett marched into Denver and beat the Broncos 31-21 months after Sean Payne called Hackett's Denver tenure one of the worst coaching jobs in history. They said, avenge him. And boy, howdy did they, Mia. Who does this reflect more poorly on? Oh, it's undoubtedly Sean Payton. But for me, John, as we begin this diatribe, I begin with Russell Wilson because... We always talk about chicken or the egg, Johnny's and Joe's versus X's and O's. For those who are local to Jacksonville in the comments that are watching this right now, you can do the math on what I'm about to say. Um, but there is um, some ties to the Jaguars from Broncos land. Do with that information what you will. Who have point blank off the record said to me that the problem was not Nathaniel Hackett. The problem last year was Russell Wilson being empowered and thinking he could run the organization. And yes, Nathaniel Hackett not being the best game manager, but truly being a player's coach that each and every guy on that roster and within that building would take a bullet for outside of maybe Russell Wilson. And the Broncos top brass hedged their bet and said, nope, Nathaniel Hackett is the problem. Russell Wilson is not the problem. So we're going to keep him. We're going to go all in on Sean Payton, and this will fix the problem. And Sean Payton tried to create a buffer for himself by saying that, oh, it was such a bad coaching coaching job and blah, 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 because he knew that that defense that Vic Fangio had built up over three years had completely decayed, which is crazy to say, considering they signed yeah. Frank Clark, they signed Randy Gregory. They, they were have still Patrick top Sertan. 10 defense last year, too. Right, and that is what is so wild about this. And even Ijero Ivero, who they hired as their D.C., is a heralded defensive coordinator. And so, or excuse me, not Ijero, he's in Chicago. I meant Vance Joseph, former head coach, um, also a heralded defensive coordinator, coming back to Denver, which is weird. They were talking Avero, which maybe would have helped them. But the reality is, is like, that's what has been their downfall is that Russ Wilson has been okay, but the defense just took such a dramatic step backwards for reasons no one can really understand that it is just, you know, putting even more egg on the face of Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, who, you know, I've talked to enough people to believe that they have always been the issue, that he has been the issue all yeah. along. 
I, I think this is, though, all things considered, this really does show that there is a track record here for coaches who take time away and then try to come back. They struggle. They struggle a lot. And Sean Payton right now finds himself in that situation where you kind of reap what you sow, right? You put these words out there. People can document them on social media now more than ever. And then the Jets go out and troll the Broncos by by showing Kevin James as Sean Payton from that movie. Uh, this was, I mean, it, it totally falls back on Sean Payton more than anything, in my opinion. Look, Russell Wilson hasn't been good. We know that. We know he has not. But he's been actually good. statistically not been that bad, John. That's no, like the no, he hasn't part. been that bad this year. But I'm saying he has not been the quarterback that they thought oh, they were no. acquiring when they gave up the farm for him. Um, but when I look at it, Mia, it falls on leadership. And whenever you give a team motivation to play, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And it was so easy. They knew the Jets were on tap this year. Uh, and you served that right up on Silver Plate. I want to get a super chat in from Josh Henning, my boy, tuning in. Appreciate you, Josh, and your support. He says, living in Bronco country, what does Denver need to do to win? Losing to the Jets, this is getting ridiculous. Figure out the defense, Josh. That's the problem. Like, I don't think the offense is that bad. And, yes, I understand that, you know, they've been affected by injuries. They don't have Javante Williams this past week, and so that's obviously a blow. But, like, Russell Wilson is 20 of 31 for two touchdowns in this game. And obviously the, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. I, yeah, it happened and you can blame offensive line play. But for me, the reality is, is that you let Zach Wilson score. All right. You take that touchdown away. You let Zach Wilson score 24 points on you. That should not happen. And no. I understand Brees Hall is a freak. 177 yards. He, Thank goodness the Jets got this guy back involved in the offense. Yeah, huh? because Lord knows Dalvin Cook ain't cutting it. Um, but no, to answer your question, Josh, like I, I just think if the defense gets in yeah. order, which is wild to think because, again, they invested so much capital in the offseason. They bring in all these old friends of Sean Payton to try to help, and they still have one of the top 10 corners in the National Football League. And I don't think Joseph Jewell's injury is like the reason they're not playing the way they should be playing um, by any stretch of the imagination. So it's just baffling how and why a defense that isn't even that old, John, has decayed so quickly. And you should be able to win football games in the NFL by scoring 21 points if you have a quality defense. That's that's not abnormal. You put up three touchdowns on the board, you should be able to win games with that. You're not going to win every game with that, but you should be able to win games, especially against a team like the Jets, who have shown us a fair degree of offensive futility at times this year. You take out another lineman because, I mean, that's been a huge difficulty with them too Mackay Becton couldn't stay healthy now you got AVR right. out I mean this is this is a problem for the Jets that and that's what's more at. of a slap in the face to the Broncos the well, Jets that's what I'm aren't saying. I'm saying like long term this is going to be a sustainability problem for the Jets but they had motivation to play here on this particular weekend Zach Wilson came off his career best game against Kansas City it was just a, a, a storm a perfect storm for the Jets to go in and win this game and I also think it reveals I hate to say it Josh I think the Broncos are just a cellar dweller this year. I think it's as simple as that. They're going to be a bad football team all season long. They're not going to be good. They'll position themselves for a good draft pick, I guess. And look, maybe that good draft pick is someone that allows you to move on from Russell Wilson. That's potentially uh, the opportunity that is in front of you. But regardless of what it is, I, I think all of this, Mia, falls on Sean Payton. Uh, and you, you have to be careful and cognizant of what you say. Motivation is great. But when you step over that boundary and you frustrate and infuriate somebody else, you have to reap what you're going to sow. Are you ready for the numbers, John? Let's hear them. 
dead cap money, Russell Wilson, if the, if the Broncos were to release him. If they were to do it this year, a $107 million dead cap number. I don't think it would be released. I think it would be a trade. I think someone would take Russell Wilson. Correct. It's just what are you going to get Next year. Next year, dead cap money, $85 million. The following year, $49.6 million. There is a potential out after 2026. Like, that's the thing is if you can't trade him, you are tied to him, whether you get a young quarterback or not in this year's draft. It's And, and hey, it's a quarterback-rich draft this April. So yeah. even if you don't get somebody until the second or third round, there's some value there. Um, and you can develop them while you wait for Russ. I mean, it would be kind of ironic, a, a former third-round pick in Russell Wilson, and he usurped a guy who got a big payday. Yeah and took over for him in Seattle, it would be kind of ironic if that's what happens. I I do think that Russ has value. I don't think he's valueless in the NFL right now, but uh, it certainly is on a downtrend and you might be able to buy low on a guy like him. Uh, The fumble at the end of the game was disgusting. I mean, it was disgusting. Shout out to former Jaguar Quincy Williams, baby. Urban Meyer paid? didn't know his name, so he do let him you, walk. Do you get paid per me- per mention? Of no, it's just there's ties everywhere. It's kind of like Iowa. Okay. I can't escape it. Okay, so. There's another one. Okay. But no, but truly, Quincy Williams is such a funny, like, how? Because, you know, he's Quentin Williams' brother. He gets drafted out of Murray State as a ace special teamer in the third round because Kyle Shanahan was allegedly going to take him, which now that we've seen what he can do when he's put in the right system, I mean, you know what Shanahan would have done with him. And, uh, yeah, he comes up clutch. I mean, perfect. Perfect punch of the ball. And the fact that Bryce Hall was right there is just nuts. He punched that ball like it was my face. Just perfectly square where it mattered. Let's keep moving on here to a team that suffered a gut punch this weekend, Mia. Oh, uh, I don't know if this was a gut punch, John, as much as it was woodshed. The Cowboys had a chance to prove to the world that they were actually here for real. They were back against the 49ers. And they got absolutely hosed 42-10. to 10. Brock Purdy, 17 of 24, four touchdowns. Hmm. But, John, you you take what I thought the logical question for this topic would be, is Brock Purdy a frontrunner for MVP? And you twist it on its head and say, how long until Deion Sanders <laughs> is the coach of the Dallas? <laughs> Uh, I had There's to put the problem that... to that, John, is he says Shadur is not going into the draft until yeah, the following. Until I, next I mean, look, I asked that question facetiously. The, the, the true question here is, the, the, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, the, the hot seat is, is burning right now, right? Like, it has to be. They were supposed to be this legitimate team coming out of week one, how they just mutilated the Giants, and everyone was like, okay, well, look, Dallas is back. They're a legit front runner this year. Dak Prescott going to prove that he earned that contract. Mike McCarthy's going to coach himself out of trouble this year. I don't see any of that happening. Now, on one hand, the 49ers are an elite team. They are truly a top three team in the NFL, if not maybe the best team in the NFL. And as you mentioned, Brock Purdy is going to be making a case for himself for most valuable player. Great story. That is independent of everything that happened here. Did you see that interception by Dak Prescott? Oh, as a duck where he, he tried to go long and I mean, that's a ball I'm catching. (laughs) Like, Like it was disgusting. That's not what is expected of the face of the franchise for America's team. They are a farce. And I'll be real, Mia. 
I think there is a scenario this season. I'm not saying it's for sure going to happen, but I think there is a scenario where a few more things go wrong and Mike McCarthy does not make the whole season. Oh, well, that was a given. John, we've talked about it on this program. I'm saying mid-season firing. I'm not talking end of season. Yes, he has the kiss of death sitting in the OC chair in my boy Brian Schottenheimer. Like, literally, go through Brian Schottenheimer's track record, whether it was the Jets, whether it was the University of Georgia, whether it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. You go down the line, and anytime he is named OC, not too long after the head coach is fired. And that's no knock on Shoddy, by the way. Shoddy just tends to be the, the, the last-ditch effort by that head coach who's already on the hot seat, hires him, and then it all goes awry. Um, so, yeah, no, th- this would not be shocking to me. Um, the hot seat has been warm and simmering for a year and a half, if not two years now. There was so much noise about Sean Payton potentially going to Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> he obviously ended up in Denver. Um, so, no, I would not be surprised at all. And what's funny, John, is, like, they don't have a bad roster, although they're banged up now on defense, especially. Very much so. Secondary has a ton of guys that are hurt. I saw Leighton Vander Esch potentially could have to go on IR now as well. Um, so that leaves a lot to be desired. But the reality is, is that when Dak is playing well – and when this offense is clicking, they're a good team in the NFC. And I think right. that last night proved just how Jekyll and Hyde Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are. When he for is sure. on, they're good. And when that defense is dominating, it allows for him to play freer. But when they struggle, it's bad. There is well, and, no And I think between. it also shows me the disparity between the Philadelphia Eagles and the rest of the NFC, right? Especially the NFC East, but the NFC in general, there is an elite class of team in the Eagles and then the 49ers and the rest of the way, uh, nobody is even in that same conversation, no matter how bad. You can tell me the Lions are like maybe a little bit further down. They're they're like the step below. And I think the Lions are very good for the record. I really do. I I think they're a legitimate team this year. I'm a little worried that them, they like the Dolphins are peaking too early, but yes, continue. Um, it just shows the difference in class and how the organization is structured, how the teams are built, how they're coached. Philadelphia has taken such a big step in that. And look, I'm not going to be upset about the Dallas Cowboys potentially being, as our friend Sports and Things says here, a fraud. If that's going to be the case, then so be it. I mean, what a sad story that is. Just what a pity that truly would be for the NFL if those, those, underdog punching up Dallas Cowboys can't find a way to success think of the children they're letting down think of all the kids think think of that young boy Billy who trots out every day with his Pop Warner football team me and he says I just want to be Dak Prescott and then you know what Billy does he goes out and throws three interceptions because he wants to be like his idol Dak Prescott I thought you were going to say little Chris as in little Chris Christie crying in the corner. I'm a bit verklempt right now. Mm. No, I mean, even if the Cowboys are to salvage the season, which again, like you pointed at, I hinted at, they play in the NFC, which is a top-heavy conference. They find their way to the playoffs. They're going to get beat by the Niners again, or they're going to get beat by the Eagles. It's just a reality. And so when that happens then Mike McCarthy will be fired. Despite making the playoffs, despite overcoming those injuries, it's it's either that or, like you said, they crater, and then all of a sudden they're in the running for another quarterback. 
What a shame. Anyway, let's keep moving on here. Uh, Maybe Dak Prescott will have a future in this arena here, Mia. The NFL's ongoing push for worldwide exposure got a big boost today when organizers for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics delivered a proposal to put flag football on the program when the summer games return to the U.S. for the first time in 32 years. The International Olympic Committee will vote on the proposal at a meeting in Mumbai that begins later this week. Flag football, pretty interesting there, Mia. What else should be an Olympic sport that currently isn't? And you can give me whatever your little heart desires here. Well, be besides professional eating, because I would like for Joey Chestnut to get right? a gold medal for the United 100%. States. Yeah, there's no question that that should be. Um, obviously, the long winding road for baseball and softball in the Olympics has been curious to say the least mm-hmm. i think olympic softball is one of the best sports and so um you know obviously want to see that be something well into the future that we maintain um for me the next growing sport because we already have golf in the olympics would be lacrosse it's the fastest growing sport um and the second fastest growing sport that isn't a team sport would be pickleball and i, I was gonna say we are not too far away from that i bet you mia Pickleball will be an Olympic sport before pretty much any other. I feel very confident in that, that pickleball is going to surpass most of the others. Baseball, American football, whether it's flag football or not, I very firmly believe pickleball is going to have a big influence on the Olympics in the not-so-distant future. Uh, You know what should be an Olympic sport? Driving through a Wawa parking lot. Uh, because I feel that you've never, quite frankly, danced with the devil until you've tried to navigate a Wawa parking lot. For those I of you, will. half of the people listening to this don't even know what Wawa is. And for that, I shame it's you. It's not just a gas station, folks. It is It is. It is so much more than that. Um, but I, I do think that pickleball is very much uh, right on that stage, knocking on the door there. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, we've, we've got uh, the breakdancing is mm-hmm. is circumventing its way in i wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see like competitive hip-hop like any of that like i know it seems so bizarre but i really don't think we're that far from something like that breaking into the mainstream right because what's a gymnastics floor routine versus that or acrobatics and tumbling for that matter i covered acrobatics and tumbling at quinnipiac and i had to learn what a (laughs) the the pass was a it was like round off whip 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 full and a half and for a period of time i could tell you what that looked like i can't anymore but uh acrobats and tumbling i could certainly see there is there anything that you're surprised isn't in the olympics right now as things currently stand well i will one up your wawa real quick and say i'm um, going to the home depot on a saturday morning mm. because um that is truly not for the faint of heart um to answer your second question, um, Greco-Roman style wrestling and the long winding history of that as well, being in the Olympics, then not being in the Olympics, Dan Gable fighting for it. Um, it is surprising that we've kind of seen that go up and down. Women's wrestling is becoming much more prominent in high schools and collegiately here in the United States. And so I would expect to see an expansion of the different styles of wrestling in the coming years on a serious note of, I know that, the, the wrestling community takes such pride and you just go down the list of um, the guys that have won gold medals for the United States and how much they have fought to keep it as an Olympic sport. And um, you know, it, it's just, like I said, like softball and baseball too, baseball, maybe a little less, but like Jenny Finch and like the United States softball team back in the early two thousands. I mean, that's where Ramona Shelburne was born. Yeah. Like people don't realize like that's yeah. where she came from. Um, 
What's her face? Why am I blanking? Sunday Night Baseball. Just Mendoza. Yes, Mendoza. Like, Mm -hmm. they all, like, I don't think people realize the cross-cultural pollination and influence Mm -hmm. that that team has had on sports at large. Yeah, the the problem with baseball specifically is that it happens in the middle of the Major League Baseball season and you're not getting the representation that you would get from the season going on break to fulfill the Olympics. And I just don't see that happening at any point for Major League Baseball. You have so many games to fit in such a small period of time. So you're left with these top amateur players. You're left with some minor leaguers, some college guys. It's it's hard to maximize the star power. And I feel like in these sports that you, these mainstream sports that you fail to maximize the star power in, that unfortunately is going to cause problems. One thing I'd say I would love to see, Mia, I'd love to see an expansion of some of these sports in the games. And by that, I mean, why don't we get a basketball skills competition for medals? The three-by-threes had so much success. Too. Yeah, like like imagine having a an Olympic slam dunk contest, right? Like how cool would something like that be? Or a three-point shooting contest, Uh I think you could do it with soccer too, a skills competition. There are so many opportunities to do stuff like that. So uh, I'd, I'd be down for thinking outside the box a little bit. Flag football though. How do we feel about that? Um, if it's a way to incorporate more representation of the sport. Sure. And I mean, it's a safer way to do it. I'd be down for a trial of it to see how it works in one set of games. And if it's of quality then great i mean i think the one good thing about flag football mia is that you'd probably get participation from current nfl players and you'd also get participation from some legends who feel like they could suit up even though they've retired they could suit up in a flag football competition uh, i think that would be actually a pretty big Senko is going to start training right I'm, now I'm he just totally heard you serious. say like, that on youtube sure. and it's over for sure i mean for real like i think that's totally possible so I mean, how do you feel about it? I, You know, my thing is that obviously the Summer Olympics, it kind of overlaps the NFL calendar. I don't see a world in which Roger Goodell says, yeah, we're pausing, pressing pause so that some of our best can go to the Olympics. I just don't see a world where that yeah. happens, um, especially with flag football. I understand people joke that that's where we're headed in the National Football League because of all the restrictions of where you can tackle and where you can't. Um but for me, it's just just because you're good at tackle football doesn't mean you're good at flag football. I think what's very fascinating for me, John, is that in the state of Florida and several others, flag football is a sanctioned sport by the FHSAA in high school. And mm-hmm. that's, of course, a, a female sport. And so that's where I'm curious because that is actually now in more colleges becoming an actual varsity sport as well. And so maybe this is just a quick like, oh, yeah, yeah, flag football, and you think it's men, but – Gotcha. It's actually women's. I think that'd be great. I think that would be a fantastic way for more inclusion in the sport. Leave us your super chats. I want to hear what you guys have to think. What sport is missing from the Olympics like now that you'd really like to see me? I know you've been excited to talk about this one. Let's get to it. Let's head to South Beach. Yeah. Needless to say, uh, given that I co-host my daily show with former Miami Hurricane Hall of Famer Leon Searcy, um, people were clamoring from the moment we came on the air at noon today to discuss Miami. They could have simply knelt the ball with 45 seconds to go, John, and that would have taken the clock down. They could have taken two knees against Georgia Tech. It would have been an ugly win that they only led 3 nothing at the half, but it would have been a win. Instead, Mario Cristobal 
decides to run the ball and try to run the clock. Don Chaney Jr. fumbles. Georgia Tech recovers in Miami territory. They kick a field goal. They force overtime, and they score a touchdown to win. Miami's first loss of the year comes in the most absolutely excruciating fashion. Mario Cristobal said it was the wrong call to run the ball. (laughs) John, was this an all-time bad one? Because, as a lot of our nooners on XL Primetime reminded me, this is not the first time Mario Cristobal has done this because it, in fact, happened in 2018 when he was coaching Oregon against Stanford. Yeah. How does this happen in 2023? How does I mean I'm, I'm watching this with my brother-in-law as it's going down. You think everyone thinks they're the smartest person in the room? I I just why do people, coaches specifically, try to get so cute and creative with stuff when things can be so much easier? And you feel for Cheney, right? He should have never been in that position in the first place. And it wasn't like he just coughed up the ball. The guy punched the ball out. I mean, it was a great defensive play on on the on the run. He should have never been in that position. And then you got a college kid who's decimated. He's going to be remembering that for the rest of his life. He's also and, going to be a meme for the rest of his life. Him and the offensive lineman of, with the long hair. Oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. And... Instead, Miami loses off Christian Leary's great route that he ran. Edgewater, shout out to the former O-Town kid. Um, shout out to Haynes King. Like, our, our producer, who's a Miami fan, joked about it. He's like, as soon as Haynes King rolled out, I went, oh, no. That's somebody forgot to cover somebody, and they're they're deep down the field. And yeah. this is broken coverage, and it's just it's bad. Yeah, it was pitiful. Absolutely pitiful to see something like this happen. I, in my mind, Mia, this is very much an all-time coaching blunder. I'll tell you why. Miami has had to scratch and claw to regain respect from the masses, right? And they're coming off of such a big win over A&M a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Huge win. This is a program that has had coaching debacles, players transfer out, the once powerful mighty you has not been relevant in almost 20 years. They've been working the past couple of years to really regain some respect. You're creeping into that territory where, hey, you rattle off a few more good wins this year, you might have an outside sh- shot at the college football playoff, right? Or at the very least, the ACC championship Or the game. ACC championship game and playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. Because Lord knows, Florida State gave up 17 to an FCS program. I 100%. mean, Virginia Tech. <laughs> They have looked. They have looked at and Boston College. They had to, you know, escape the red bandana game by the hair on their chinny chin chin. So, so to make that mistake with those factors at hand, yes, this is an all-time coaching blunder. One that Mario Cristobal, the savior of the U, should never, ever, ever have made. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And it's, I mean, where do you go from here? That's my bigger, my bigger I mean, question. Your, your season's done. I mean, you're going to have a chance I mean, to Georgia play Tech, for like, listen, they're not, it's not like you lost to Jacksonville State or something no, like but that, you know? You, you, yeah, you'll have a chance to play for an ACC championship, but guess what? You've got no shot at the playoff now. I mean, your playoff hopes are done. I know those were outside chances, but still, they're done. You're not going to Can I make it. a bold prediction for you, John go Alba? Go for it. Um, so the Canes travel to North Carolina next week. Mm-hmm. 
a ranked UNC that has Drake May. A very good UNC team. Watch them beat them. They could, and they they could, but and but then to your point, unless they go out and they they run the table, and even then, like, how is the ACC going to be viewed? I guess yeah, if you beat right. Florida State, like that would help your case. But that's my thing is like at this juncture, you have to run the table. You would have to pull an upset over North Carolina, but I can no, see a world because college football. So Mia, no college happens. football playoff team has ever had a mistake like that on their resume. It would be funny as heck. I mean, hey, man, well, you know, they make the ACC championship. It's only Mario's second year I keep hearing. They weren't supposed to win this year. Uh, by the way, here's here is Miami's schedule. Um, North Carolina, as I mentioned, Clemson the next week. At least you get a homecoming game against Virginia. And then in two weeks after that, you have to go to Tallahassee and play Florida State. I very well. Let's go to, like, honestly, John, I, I know you were at a wedding on Saturday, but one of the best 12 o'clock noon hours in college football on a Saturday we've had in quite some time, and this was obviously the headline. Yeah, no, this certainly was. Red River rivalry. Texas loses to Oklahoma. Honestly, a game they probably should have won uh, going into that final quarter in the last drive there. USC, well, the Trojans tried to do everything in their power to lose to Arizona in triple overtime, but they just couldn't manage to. Did we jump the gun a couple weeks ago on the old guard of college football returning here? Because look, you can argue Texas got outplayed by a better team. I mean, USC, that was bad. Yeah, I mean, but like go really down the bad. list. Like, every, I mean, the year that Clemson won the national title with Trevor Lawrence as the quarterback, and granted that was he got hurt, they almost lost to freaking Syracuse. So, like, every yeah, Syracuse team- was pretty good that year, weren't they? Mm. Wasn't Seven Syracuse a top 25 team that year? No, I'm pretty sure. No? That, was, that would have been 2018. Have been a year off. Right? 2018 Syracuse schedule. I don't think they were. Um, let me double check it. I mean, maybe. Oh, they were. You're right. You're right. Yeah. They were 10 and 3. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Syracuse was but, pretty good that year. Right. But then they, they, but then Clemson played with fire, ironically, against Georgia Tech that year. Correct me if I'm wrong, because that was where he had um, the big year. Let me pull it up. Trevor had like that big throw, and then that's when it was like, okay, bye, Kelly Bryant. Like, we're done with you. Yeah, it was against Georgia Tech. They won 49 21, but it was like pretty close, if I'm correct. Let me pull it up. Yeah, it was like only seven nothing. So, my point, point is, is the point is, is that every national championship team has a different story. I don't think Texas is out of it. I think Oklahoma proved something. And I also think USC needed to be humbled a little bit and have a little bit of a scare because they absolutely dominated teams the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, I get that. Uh, Texas, uh, your heart, if you're a Texas family, your heart goes out for them because that it's a game that they probably should have won in that fourth quarter. Nothing to That's take away from That's the beauty of rivalries, though, John. No, it like, is. And nothing to, look, that. I covered Dylan Gabriel at UCF before he transferred over there. I mean, you could tell the potential was there for him. And a coming out party like that very much puts him on NFL radar. Like, that's the type of game you look for out of someone whose stock continues to rise. Uh, but it does, unfortunately, you know, bring to the reality that maybe Texas we don't is not see- back. Yeah, I mean, maybe we don't see Texas and and USC in the same light that we were hoping we'd be seeing at the end of the season. Not to say that Texas is totally done, because look, the reality is, after this year, I know the Pac-12 has been pretty good this year, but after after this year, college football becomes a three-conference organization, right? It becomes the SEC, the Big Ten. But also a 12-team playoff. 
with a 12-team playoff. So, look, Texas's future is bright. Did we jump the gun on proclaiming their back? I didn't. I don't think so. I've said for weeks now, I don't care that they beat Alabama. Quinn Ewers didn't impress me. Like, his numbers are great. Yeah, he has poise. But, like, if you're going to be a front runner for for the Heisman, if you're going to be the leader of a national championship contender, I need to see something. And I haven't seen this, like, wow moment from him yet. Dylan Gabriel, that throw to win it all. Well, not win it all, but, you know, beat a hated rival. That's what I need to see from Quinn Ewers. I still haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I didn't want to take anything away either from Oklahoma. I mean, they are a high-octane offense. They usually are a high-octane offense, and you come out on the road and and do what you did there. I think it's just so incredibly impressive given the stakes of that because this is the type of game that could determine who goes to the college football playoff, quite frankly, and now Oklahoma sets themselves in a great position where if they can run the table a little bit here, they're going to have a legitimate case for the college football playoff. Go ahead. What happens if these two teams meet in the Big 12 championship and Texas wins that game? Well, then Texas is back, baby. <laughs> no, which one do you put in the playoff? Like if no, Oklahoma no. runs yeah. the regular season table, I guess so we'd does have Texas. To, I guess we'd have to see what the game looks like, right? Right. I, I, mean, I don't. But, like, what if it's, like, this, a similar game, but Texas, when Ewers has his Heisman moment and throws a last-second touchdown? I mean, the narrative, you know that the college football playoff was a good narrative. Alabama, Oklahoma beat Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah. Um, By the way, back to USC real quick. Um, For those of you, which I see Eddie in the comments is talking about, they're a one-man team. We truly will know that um, because, wait for it, uh, they go to a Notre Dame team coming off of a loss to Louisville on Saturday. Then, my personal favorite, they host the Utah Utes. Uh, That is going to be a rude awakening because while the Utes cannot throw the ball, although I do think their quarterback will be back by then, shout out to Cam Rising, their defense is better than Georgia, better than Iowa. Like they are, they are the best defense in America right now. And so I think that'll be a challenge for Caleb and company. Cal's a dub. They got to face Washington, who I think is a top three, top five team. They got to face Oregon still, top three, top five team, and then a ranked UCLA. So we will know if USC is back sooner rather than later. Let's keep rolling on here, Mia. We got two more topics before our beast of the week as we take on the MLB postseason. Yeah, which I, I got to tell you, John, I, I need you to like rationalize the postseason for me for baseball because – All over the ballpark, pun intended. The Braves got shut out at home for the first time all year in their opener against the Phillies. The Orioles dropped two at home to the Rangers, your World Series hopeful. The Dodgers got mutilated by the D-backs. Clayton Kershaw barely could get an out. Is the wild card by a kiss of death for top seeds? I I saw the stat coming into this. I believe it was uh, the, the top seeds in the division series since the introduction of the wild card round were 11 and nine, I believe, or something like that in, in the series, which is just crazy to think about. Like it's that close. Uh, I'll tell you what, Mia, I, I buy this 100% of the way. I think that the momentum that is established by a hot baseball team at the end of the year is very similar to what happens in hockey in the Stanley Cup playoffs when a team gets really hot at the right time and they just will all of that momentum forward. And yeah, they might have to use some of their arms in that wild card round, whether it goes two or three games, they might find themselves exhausting some of their offense, but there's something to be said about having to sit on the sidelines for a week, waiting to see who you're going to play. Even if you're hosting these series in the, the division series, 
I very much buy into this and think that the division series hosts are somewhat at a bit of a disadvantage uh, because of the nature of sustainment of play. By the way, the Phillies are currently up one nothing over the Braves. I believe it. And they are in the second inning. They already have four hits. I so, believe so, it. So it makes sense of this for me, John, because I was told all season that the Rays are competitive. They're already out. Well, the Rays, the Rays, they got, I mean, it was a tough break for the Rays this year. You you lost Wander Franco for right. the That's reasons true. that seemed Yes, we like, won't discuss on this podcast. Right. And then, I mean, they got decimated injury-wise. They were absolutely decimated, probably more than just about any team in baseball. Okay, so that explains the, that explains the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, now walk me through how the Braves are getting shut out for the first time all season. Injuries, and they just don't have the right pitching. Their pitching's not there. They have a historic offense. Isn't Max Freed going tonight? Yeah, but but here's the thing, Mia. When you run into a team like the Phillies, who I'm going to talk about in just a little bit on this, uh, the Phillies right now are postseason-wise, they're like the 98 Yankees. I mean, you you can't beat them. Well, not and the 98 part- Yankees because that team won 114 games. No, I'm say saying like- I'm saying postseason momentum. Oh, yeah, but I'm like- saying like they- – they were good in the regular season. Well, the but- Braves were almost like the 98 Yankees this year. The right, Braves correct. had an offense. I would equate that, right. No, no. The Braves I, had I'm an saying, offense that you could right. argue was better than the 98 Yankee offense. Right. I would agree with that. That's who so, I would have equated that regular all season. All right. So to. who else? Who else are you looking for some clarity on? Uh, the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw is old. Is he washed? Is it? Is it? Clayton Kershaw is a bad postseason pitcher. He's historically okay. a really bad postseason pitcher. You're not plus, wrong. <laughs> I thought we plus were past two, this. Plus two. I, I hate to say this, but like. The Diamondbacks are playing like a team that's pissed off for being counted out. They were counted out against the Brewers. They were counted out against the Dodgers. And now, look how they're playing. I, the, you know who the Diamondbacks remind me a lot of? They remind me a lot of the 2003 Marlins. The mm. team that got hot at the right time. Kind the of Luis Gonzalez no, connection. A bunch of no-name guys who got together at the right time young guys who had potential to become future superstars they remind me a lot of that team and i'd I'd be scared to face them for sure but here's the thing you know the meme of like i see what god has done for you and i want that for me um i see the diamondbacks and i want that for the orioles because i feel so bad because oh yeah for for our entire lives john sorry i'm gonna say it's hyperbole i don't care for our entire lives every single time the Orioles have faced the Yankees, have faced the Red Sox, like have faced the Phillies. You go to Camden Yards, which is a top five stadium in the in Major League Baseball, and it is filled with the opposition. And to see Camden Yards filled with orange and yeah. to see them lay an egg. And yes, they did try to come back last night, and I applaud them for it. It's just heartbreaking, especially on a day that the Ravens lost too. Yeah. Well, but but so do you buy this whole idea here that these Oh, that teams. they took a break and then, yeah, because we saw the, it last year too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. There's something to, you just keep playing, you're building continuity. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I already made too many Jags references, but I mean, it's worth noting because we didn't talk about it yet. The Jags are a great social experiment by the National Football League that they played in London. They stayed, they played an away game in London where the Bills had to fly over and then they were jet lagged and which I mean. NFL teams have been going there for 10 years, so I don't want to hear the jet lag excuse. You could have gone over on Wednesday or Thursday, but there is some truth to they were, the Jags had been over there. They were rested. They were ready. And that's what I think it's akin to baseball too. Although on the other side of it, in that you rest too much 
No. And it comes back to bite you. But if you're in your routine, which those teams that didn't have a first round buy had that luxury, then yeah, like you're no. you're going to work every day. You're 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 not taking time off. Like you're seeing the fruits of that. Yeah. And I mean, what a world we live in where there's like a distinct possibility that our ALCS are the it's the twins and the Rangers, right? Like, I mean, that that could be the case. Well, and the twins I'm happy for because like, oh, they're playing out of their minds right now. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, like, absolutely. Happy absolutely. For, also, the Correa storyline is a lot of fun. Too. Yeah, and Rocco Baldelli, I'm a big Rocco guy. Like, I think it's great. And look, all, all I can say is Major League Baseball is staring at the possibility of a Twins-Rangers ALCS and a Phillies and Diamondbacks ALC, NLCS, which uh, it's interesting, man. I'll, I'll tell you that. Let's get to one more here, and let's talk about the Rays because you just asked about them. And I mean, Take a look at this picture, Mia. This is right before first pitch of the first game of the wild card series. The Rays drew just 19,704 fans to the Trop last Tuesday for the opener against the Rangers. It's the smallest non-pandemic crowd for an MLB postseason game since the 1919 World Series. Shout out to the Chicago White Sox. Now, we talked about their new stadium a couple weeks ago on this podcast and how we were hoping for some revitalization there in St. Petersburg. This was a weekday afternoon, a Tuesday weekday afternoon, but this is the postseason, and this is what the turnout looked like. Mia, is building the new stadium even worth it at this juncture, or would they just be better off served in another market? Well, let's preface it with this, John. What time was first pitch? I mean, it was like a 1, 2 o'clock first pitch. I get it. It's, it's On a afternoon. Tuesday. On a Tuesday. I get that. But guess what? Other teams dealt with that too, and they still drew. It's not great, but also what was their average to begin with? Way below those teams. So we shouldn't be surprised when you saw no, this crowd at 1 o'clock on a Tuesday. Should we even bother with this new stadium at this juncture, or should we just move them? I, where are you going to move them? Well, there's a ton of places you can move them. You can move them to Nashville. You can move them to Montreal. You can move them to Orlando. You can move them to... The Dreamers, uh, baby. That's right. The dream is alive. I, mean, I wouldn't. You can move to Charlotte. It's just so sad because, like I said last time we brought this up, like I've been to St. Pete and it's such a vibrant downtown, but also, and this is from someone who lives there, by the way, St. Pete historically was a place that, quote, people went to die because it was a retirement destination. And now they've tried to completely remarket themselves to being this place where young, you know, Gen Z and millennials move and it's a young professional vibe neither of which really gear themselves towards Major League Baseball Tuesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, despite all those Gen Zers working from home. Why are the Lightning able to draw? Why are the Bucks able to draw? What is going wrong? Especially because fertile a baseball ground Florida is. Major League Baseball draft, and every kid is from Florida. So is this an issue of if you build it, they will come? Or is it there's no saving it? Because that's embarrassing. 19,704 fans. It's a, the, the league looks so silly for letting that go out there on national television. And how is that team supposed I to does, have It doesn't momentum? make sense. That's why I'm making this face because it doesn't make sense. 
because again, it's a state, it's the same reason the Miami Marlins not drawing doesn't make sense to me. It's a state that is fertile and loves baseball go through. I mean, people talk more about high school baseball than they do high school basketball in the state of Florida. Let's be real here. Um, it's a state that college baseball is massive. People care about Florida and Florida state. They both go to the college world series regularly. And so it just makes zero sense. I don't understand it. And it's just unfortunate, but I, I, I do want to give the Rays the benefit of the doubt and say it was a Tuesday, one o'clock first pitch that you find out about the game time at the last second, although, you know, it's headed down the pipeline for that. And so, yeah, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but it, it does bring up a lot of questions, John. All right, man, it's time for the Beast of the Week. Who was or what was the most beastly thing you saw in the sports Oh, I hope I'm not, I am not your stealing your, your thunder, sir, but I am going to go to a topic we discussed a few weeks ago, which is one Simone Biles, um, who once again wins the all-around. Her sixth of her career and her reign continues. Um, we want to give her her, her, her oh, yeah. flowers, especially as we talk about the Olympics, um, because I still don't think she is getting the credit she deserves because – when we look at the Sean Johnsons and the Gabby Douglases, we talked about, oh, they're going to come back and they're going to be just as good. They weren't. And she just keeps coming back and is better than ever every single time. Absolutely. All about giving Simone her flowers. I'm also going to give some flowers to not piece of the week, but give some flowers to the WNBA. Uh, mm-hmm. The finals are rocking right now. Las Vegas, the atmosphere was incredible last night. So that is a case of if you build it, they will come. And I think it's cool that Golden State, the Bay Area, they're going to be getting a WNBA team. How long is it going to take for Philadelphia to get one? I mean, come on. Man. Yeah, I mean, you, they should be next. I, I mean, mean wh- where Tom, else do you think is the next logical market? Uh, Toronto would make sense for the WNBA, too. Okay, Toronto yeah. would be good, but I think This Philly's... is their first time expanding since 08, 09, yeah, which is uh-huh. kind of surprising that yeah. they've gone this long. No, I think Philly would be good. Uh, my, like the the week. Speaking of Philly, it might be sweet. It's Bryce Harper, man. Yeah. This guy, I mean, Bryce Harper, he has lived up. To the height. We, we've talked about this a little bit before in regards to LeBron. Guys who come in with all the hype, oh, they're the chosen one, they're the next big thing, and they live up to it. It so seldom happens. Bryce Harper's living up to it, and now he just needs to go get that ring. This Phillies team right now is primed and prepped to go win a World Series ring, and it's a, it's a weaker American League. If they can get through the NL, I really think they've got a legitimate shot to win here. Playing at Citizens Bank Park right now is play, is like playing at the old Yankee Stadium in the playoffs. It's an unbelievable atmosphere that they built up. Bryce Harper, that scorching home run in game one. He is becoming the lifeblood of Philadelphia right now. Lord knows it ain't going to be James Harden. So I'm all about seeing Bryce Harper fulfill the prophecy, win the championship, and then go into the Hall of Fame one day as one of the game's all-time greats. He is my beast of the week. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if he had stayed in Washington, would we be talking about him in the same light? Well, he would have won the championship had he stayed because they won the year after That's he true, left. That's true, the year after he left. But then what would have happened to them? Because yeah, obviously they've decayed since. I don't know. I don't know. It is interesting. But to go in and do it with another team would be very, very impressive. This has been Out of Bounds. That's me, O'Brien. I'm John Alba. Wait, we'll see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.